Due to adult content, parental discretion is advised. To begin. To begin. Are you watching closely? How to start. I just, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? In Life Itself, a memoir, Roger Ebert begins. I was born inside the movie of my life. I was born a poor black child. The visuals were before me. I was born in it. The audio surrounded me. Molded by it. The plot unfolded inevitably, but not necessarily. I don't remember how I got into the movie, but it continues to entertain me. At first, the frames flicker without connection. We all are born with a certain package. We are who we are. Where we were born, who we were born as, how we were raised. We're kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit with other people. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It lets you understand a little bit more about different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with the people who are sharing this journey with us. Here's the deal. Just give me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple. No, no, no. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. Welcome to Cock and Bull Movie Talk. What used to be a Tristram Shandy story. In which, apparently, obviously, we don't talk about Tristram Shandy minute by minute. But isn't that the point? Good Lord, what is this story all about? Cock and Bull story. Here's your host, me, Professor Robert E. G. Black. I'm here by myself again with Group 8, The War and Spitfire Grill. And by myself, I'm wondering, how do I decide? I mean, I have to How silly can you get? Can you get it? 
I can decide. But a couple episodes ago, I watched a minute of Spitfire Grow. And so I set up minute 55 of the war. And just based on these two minutes, the war wins. Because this is one of the minutes I referenced last week. Stu and his dad are on the way to the auction. His dad wants to buy a house that's been uh, foreclosed on. He doesn't have enough money. Once we get into the auction, it's going to be a thing where this banker guy is trying to tell him, yeah, we don't, we don't want anyone putting in any low bids, but they have a sign that says no minimum bid. Well, to put your best foot forward. We're trying to. You know, uh, the bank tries not to encourage cheapskates by suggesting an opening offer of $5,000. Some of these people have been writing us checks for like, oh, a nickel. It <laughs> really causes a problem around here. Well, my checking is from nowhere is near $5,000. You reckon I still have a chance? Well, neighbor, I'd like to say, yeah, but I don't want to lie to you. Tell me, you ever consider buying a mobile home? Science says no minimum bid. Yes, sir, it does. I really like the White House the best. I'm going to kiss it for added luck. Good luck to you. So for a few hundred dollars, he gets a house because turns out the bank bought too many properties and has to get rid of them. But spoilers, that's the end of the film. Here they're on the way to the auction and Daddy, he does have a name. I figured out watching some clips again. I think his name is James or William or something basic. It isn't said much, but Mini 55 begins. He has gotten out of the car to talk to Mr. Lipnicki, because Lipnicki's yelling at him. I even included a clip from this scene in last week's episode. The Lipnicki kids are laughing because Daddy, not their Daddy, Stu's dad has turned away. Kevin Costner's walking away. He's not going to fight, but Lipnicki wants to fight. He walks around the car, and we get to actually the clip that I played last week. Stu leans over to the driver's side window and says, well, you don't smell, smell like a drunken skunk. Problem is, Mr. Lipnicki's holding the crowbar right now. And we get the line from last week. What'd what you say to me? I'll break your neck, you little shithead. Lipnicki goes to Stu and grabs him. Kevin Costner comes rushing around the back of the rest of the car, grabs Lipnicki, sticks his foot behind his, and knocks him to the ground. Puts his hand to his throat. Great, I can't allow you to put your hands on my son. son. You don't, you don't see me correcting your children. children. I don't know. I don't, mind so much. You're I don't even know. I don't take that to you call me names. names. You ask my child. You're going to push a button on me. See, this is the thing that makes it go too far for Stu's dad. I'm going to lose control and kill you. They have a great cut here. 45 seconds in, so we cut back to Stu at the driver's side window. And he's tearing up. Because I don't think he realized until this moment what his father is capable of. And it's not that his father is, is like a coward or anything, that he doesn't want to fight because he's afraid of it. It's because, no, if he fights, he's going to do just damage to someone. Because that's sort of the message of the film. It's inevitable. Even if you're bad at it, if you're going to fight, the goal is to do damage to someone. That's not good. I just think that in the nuclear world, a true enemy can't be destroyed. Attention on deck. 
von Clausewitz will now tell us exactly who the real enemy is. <laughs> von? <laughs> in my humble opinion, in the nuclear world, the true enemy is war itself. And his father's good at it. He's been trained. He's going to push a button on me and then I'm going to lose control and kill you. Stu's dad says, now I apologize to my son. Lipnick says, I apologize. Says, mighty kind of you. I said, there's something to tell you. That's where the minute ends, but Stu apologizes. Apologize to Mr. Lip, Nicky Stu. They go their separate ways. Tell him you're sorry for insulting him. They go to the auction. Sorry, Mr. Lip, Nicky. Stu's dad puts his low bid in and hopes for the best. They get separated. At one point, Stu gets into a fight with a couple of the Lip, Nicky kids. His dad finds them, separates them, and he's just bought some cotton candy to take home to Lydia and Ma. And he gives the cotton candy to the two lip dicky kids. Because it looked like they hadn't been given nothing in a long time. I said last week that's one of my favorite moments of this film. It's one reason this film works for me. Both this and Spitfire Girl have these sort of magical realism elements to them. Where they're a little bit fancy. A little bit unreal. Something like this cotton candy moment is one of those here. Plus there's the whole battle later that's over the top. The treehouse is a little too nice. As Roger pointed out in his review. Then it comes down to the question. I was thinking I was going to just put two minutes of the movies up next to each other and say, okay, just based on these minutes, which movie's better? Just based on these minutes, this movie's better. But I don't think that's fair. It's fun, but it's not fair. Which one works? They both are like the Christian-friendly, sort of pacifist messaging about people being nice to one another. This is a bad reason, but one reason I like the war more is because it gets there through the violence. It gets there by showing you some of the horror of what happens. Percy's story about her past is great. She presents it well. Her performance is good, but it's still just a monologue. One of the flaws in this movie is when Stu's dad has his monologue in two parts. About his best friend in Vietnam. Some of the Vietnam footage we get an actual flashback. It's not very well done. The stage musical of Spitfire Girl, I think, fixes a big part of what is my reason I won't pick Spitfire Girl today, is that tragic ending is, in retrospect now, I'd say a little too Christian. This feels more earned. Both movies involve a sacrifice. Character dies. Because that character isn't our main character here. Elijah Wood, just, what, 11 years old, I think, when they filmed this, is the build lead. And he's the main character. So, for group eight, I picked the war. The question is, what do I do for the next groups? I've come to a point where I think it's my fault. I have a lot of films in the bracket pairings that are left that people haven't seen. Never heard of that. Never heard of that. Like this bracket. What the hell does that mean? You know, I'm with him on this one, man. That's pretty fucking obscure. Like a Las Vegas waitress is going to get an obscure French philosophical reference. It's like I'm trying to show off to her. And I I may as well have just said, let me jump your ignorant bone. Most of the people I know, even fellow podcasters, movies by minutes podcasters, haven't seen them or haven't seen them recently. And so they don't want to talk about them. So maybe I'll be by myself again next week talking about a new pair. I don't know. Or if you're listening to this and you want to be a guest, contact me. Find the show on Twitter, find the show on Facebook, on Instagram. Message me. Say which pair you want to talk about. 
Is the bracket out there? Ooh, what's left? I'll tell you. Where's my phone? There's group one, although I think I know who I want to guest on this one. Stories we tell and the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, her. Group two, the fountain and the gray. I'm sure I'd find someone who want to talk about those two. Group five, everything is illuminated, Hedwig and the angry inch. Group seven, kiss kiss bang bang zero effect. Group 12, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, Into the Wild. Group 16, Stand By Me, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Group 18, Hearts Beat Loud, Never Look Away. I think I know who I want to be in that group, too. Ugh. Anyway, the war moves forward. We're down to seven pairings left. We'll see how it goes. Nice short episode. We're in, we're out. See you next week. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This has been Cock and Bull Movie Talk. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter or Facebook at Cock Bull Minute or check LemonDrops.com for links. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a Mandalorian. Why would you create such an abomination? This is the weapon of the cowboy. The, uh, it's a past stuff that dreams are made of. Cut. That's a wrap. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Nothing is over! Nothing! You just don't turn it off! Shut up! Shut the fuck up! Oh, right to take Shut up! Will you shut up! Shut up! Shut, 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 shut up! You're still here? Shut up! Now! It's over. Go home. Go.